Hey everyone, welcome to Ruin Hammer, episode 14. Uh, welcome to my wonderful co-host Rob. How are you, bud? Good, mate. How's, you, how's things with you, mate? Yeah, yeah, good, mate. Good. How's your uh, how's your week been? Week's been pretty good so far. Um, yeah, just just really excited about tonight and the chat that we're going to have very soon. Um, yeah, how, mate. How about you, mate? What what, what was uh, what have you been up to? Oh, mate, I um just been working, you know, usual usual. It's been shit weather down here in Sydney, so yeah, the job sites yeah, have been yeah. a bit bit wet. But uh, last weekend we had the the NRL Grand Final. Congratulations to the Brisbane Broncos for their three-peat in the NRLW uh, over the Roosters. Yeah, massive effort, yeah. Yeah, and then the uh, the Melbourne Storm, who uh, held off a fast-finishing Penrith Panthers in the NRL Grand Final. Uh, Kiora, TK, how are you, brother? Hey, TK. Work tonight, that's the way, bro. Awesome, mate. Um, uh, I spent Grand Final day watching... Uh, replay of the Warriors women's last round win over the Dragons and then I ran that into the Warriors men's last round win over Manly so uh, two games I was two games I was fortunate to attend and that was my 2020 grand final this year the, the Warriors one that was the game that, that, that was our final game so grand final it is <laughs> yeah uh, but we will discuss the grand finals a little bit later on to Tonight we've got uh, we're very lucky to have um, a New Zealand Warriors cult hero join us uh, live for the chat. Um, this man played 67 games for our Warriors uh, in one of our most successful periods for the club, and uh, I'm very excited to welcome Warrior number 76, Big Tooks, Mark Tukey. Welcome, mate. How you going, boys? How are yeah, you, bud? Really good, thanks, mate. We've um, we've been looking forward to having this chat with you, mate. It's uh, I've been I've been kind of excited all week. It's um yeah, yeah same here, yeah. Yeah, it's it's not often you get to chat to um, you know, someone that you watched uh, in a Warriors jersey and uh yeah, mate, those, those calls of two key, two key every time you took the field and ran the ball up, it was um it was it was one of the most successful periods of the Warriors too, when you played. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah it was good. We'll start off, we'll we'll go back, mate. You began your career as a Logan's brother junior. Um, which was the, the junior club of uh, a lot of, uh, you know, NRL stars. Um, and then you were signed by the South Queensland Crushers and made yeah. you debut in, at the Crushers in 96 in a rare win against the Western Suburbs Magpies. What was it like? Tell us what it was like to make your first grade debut. Yeah, it was actually an interesting day. Um, back in those days, we only had uh, two fresh reserves per grade and then um, they'd bring up uh, six or eight players from the game before to sit and, the, and they could only use two of them. Um, so on that day, I actually debuted for reserve grade the same, the same day. So oh, okay. I, played, I played in the under-21s um, yep. and then I got taken up in that group of six for reserve grade. Um, and I'd done that for a few weeks. And then on the, the day I debuted for the NRL, I didn't play in the under-21s. I sat as one of the two fresh reserves for reserve grade. And so that was fine. I played 20-odd, 30 minutes. That was the days with unlimited interchange. So I just yeah. came on, yeah. created some carnage and got off again. Uh, and then uh, after the game, Bobby Linda 
had um, picked six of those reserve grade players to sit on the bench for the NRL. And this was my first time that I'd sat in that group. So I'm like, well, this is interesting, you know, and, and thought I had nothing of it. I'll just sit there for the experience and where I go. So at half time, Bobby Linda taps me on the shoulder and says, mate, you're uh, going to get a run in the second half here. And I honestly, I nearly wet my pants and I, and I remember holding back tears and I've walked out the tunnel after half time and um, I've looked into the crowd to my mum and she's just looking at me like, what, what's going on? And I just, well, I just was looking at it. Thinking, oh my God, here we go. And um, yeah, I got the last 20 minutes of the game against um, West. I went, I remember going on after we'd scored a try uh, and they kicked the ball off straight to me um, yeah. from, uh, from that. So I went on the field back to receive a kickoff and they've hit it and they've kicked it straight down to me. And um, I, I remember catching the ball and obviously just plowing into the defensive line. But Steve George Alice at the time, he was like one of the guru players. I ran straight over the top of him in my first carry of the game. And, uh, and you know, and then the rest is from there. It was all good. But um, yeah, we ended up having a really good win that day as well. But it was my it was my actual uh, debut for reserve grade and first grade in the same Wow. Game. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's not weird. Was that was that a Andrew? Uh, was that Andrew Leeds missed the conversion right on full time? Um, to tie the game. Yeah, yeah that's right. And actually, and if, now that you brought it up, bloody Roo, I um, I was actually uh, they beat me on the outside to score the try in the corner. <laughs> 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 you just like. <laughs> yeah, I was stuffed, and uh, I played twenty straight too. In like, in, in it was such a fast game, and. You know, I wasn't fit enough to go 20, but I was just adrenaline kind of got me there. And, uh, yeah, they scored right in the corner, like you said, and uh, yeah. they had to pick the goal to draw. And uh, back then it was just a draw. There's no yeah, issue. Draw, yeah. But he missed it. So, yeah, we had, a, we had a rare win. Yeah, yeah. well, I mean, in 1996, you end up playing three games off the bench. But it was probably the following season, the ARL season, 1997, that you kind of cemented a, a first-grade position. And, and yeah. you, played, you played 15 games that year. Um, speaking of Western Suburbs Magpies, I've got to bring up a game that was very special to me as well. And it was the final round game of 1997. Um, obviously, the Crushers yeah. were, going, were going on uh, having financial troubles and um, they, mm -hmm. they let everyone in for free um, for the last few home games. So, so yeah. me and my, my dad went up for the final game and you guys were playing Western Suburbs. And um, see, I was, I, was, I was actually a bit of a crushes tragic back in the day being from Brisbane. So I ended up going to quite a few games. And this game in particular, we went because they were letting everyone free. And I think Western Suburbs were on the verge of making the eight. And all they had to do was beat you guys to get into the top eight. We were running and, Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I'll never forget because you guys produced, you guys broke almost every single club record <laughs> in that game, which turned out to be the crushes' last ever game. Yeah. Um, and, and a side note to that is that it was also the day that Princess Diana died. Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. that was, uh, that was uh, when everyone ever asked that question. Yeah, I, I remember where I was when, yeah. I, when I died. <laughs> we were actually on the field at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but that, that was an unbelievable game. I mean, you guys, like, like Clinton Shipovsky scored a club record haul. You guys had the biggest ever win in the club's history. And it's amazing to think that West just needed to beat you guys to get the finals, but instead the Gold Coast Chargers went through that year, which was yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, mate. If the Crushers were still around, I think I'd still be there. I would have still been there till the end. Um, yeah, I was a pretty loyal type of player, so I wanted to be at the Crushers until the end. They they folded, and then yeah, I had to move on. But um, the, the the reason we went from there to Parramatta actually was me, Clinton Chukowski, and Troy Pezet 
we all saw him as para when the when the crushes uh, folded. And because um, whenever we played the Parramatta Reels, crushes went really well, and yeah. I had always played well against them, and so did Pezzy and Chop. So it was uh, real weird that they went right. I oh, will just go sign those three. So that's when how I ended up down at Para. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was, was going to be my next next question. Yeah, it was interesting. Yeah. I remember you guys having some famous wins over over Parramatta as well. I like, didn't get too many wins in the club's history, unfortunately. No. But about three or four of them were over Para. So yeah. In, <laughs> in that '98. I was going to say, in that 98 season, you played in a really good Parramatta pack um, with like guys like Dean Pay, Nathan Hindmarsh, um, Jared McCracken, Jimmy Dimmick, Nathan Kalis. What was it like playing in such a dominant forward pack? Oh, yeah. Well, as I said, yeah, I got my start down at the Crushers, but to, to go down to Parramatta, like you said, there was Jim Dimmick, Dean Pay, Jason Smith, Jared McCracken. They were in yep. a pack with Aaron Raper um, yeah. as a hooker. But and then there was these other guys you might have heard of, Nathan Hindmarsh, yep. um, Mick Vella, Nathan Kalis, myself, Jason Kalis. So there was all the you know, they all turned out to be bloody uh, origin and, and, and New Zealand Kiwi legends. So, um, yeah, it was a really rewarding to go from a struggling team to a team. We we, we made it to the prelim final every every uh, both years. I was at Para, we got knocked yeah. out, famous Bulldogs, uh. <laughs> Debacle, and uh, then we got beaten by the uh, Melbourne Storm. So yeah, it was it was it was uh, that was the launching of my career. Really, I got to mix with those guys and uh, you know learn the hard way with the, some of those tough heads. Yeah. In, in the in that '98 season, you got your first taste of finals footy. Do you remember much about that final series? And do you remember how different finals footy was to regular season footy? Yeah, final footies are much quicker. Like there's this there's this this. There's desperation around it, you know. Like the, you, you know, it, everyone says it's just another game. Yes, it is, but it's it, there's a lot of hype around it. And I, we, I actually played in at, in the grand final against Parramatta for the Crushers under 21s yeah. on grand final day. So we yeah. played in some finals there, but not up, up at that big top level. Um, and we were confident. We were we were a pretty good side, uh, as we said. We had some really yeah. good players. And uh, yeah, we just um, yeah, yeah, circumstances didn't get us to the grand final at the time, but um. But yeah, um, oh yeah, semi-final football is uh, what, what you play for. It's uh, and, and and further to that, mate, when we're at the Warriors and we made the semis and the grand final on that, and we're going to probably get the O2. Um, yeah, next level. That's <laughs> next level when they yeah. made the finals for the first time. I was a part of all that kind of first final, first time we beat the Broncos, first grand final. So every first, and we kept kind of breaking new barriers for it. So it was really exciting. Yeah, yeah, well, just just um, just like back to your, your time at Parramatta there. So obviously Brian Smith was the coach there, and he he had a fair bit of success there at Parramatta. Um, how would you describe um Brian Smith's coaching? Uh, Brian Smith, uh, he, he was a very he's one of the best coaches I've been coached by. Um, he just played a little bit of mind games at the time. Um, he was and every every player will tell you the same thing about Brian Smith. Absolute will make you or break you as a coach as a, and as a player. Um, so he got the best out of you, but he also could just you know, break you, break you. So um, I, I had great, uh, great experiences under Brian. Um, he taught me a lot, and you really wanted to play for the bloke. He was a really good coach, um, and he was pretty much innovative too. All these tight jerseys and stuff. Brian Smith was one of the that Parramatta really one of the first clubs to bring it in. And uh, I remember the fitting. I remember they used, he, he put your jersey on. He had it. We had a tailor at the in, come into the sheds, and they go, "Well, they put the jersey on, and what feels? Uh, how does that feel? Yeah, it's tight. Yep, yeah, good. Right, yeah. And then as soon as you took the jersey off with all the pins in it, 
Ryan Smith would say, take another inch off that. So, uh, you know, it was yeah, it wasn't flattering to me at all. And I, yeah, in, a, uh, in a bright yellow jersey, yeah, say no more, really. <laughs> oh, okay, well, we have Brian Smith to thank for that. I never knew that. Brian Smith one of the pioneers of uh, the tight jerseys. Wow. <laughs> you, um, you signed with the Warriors in 2000. Uh, how did that move to the Warriors come about? What, how, how did you come to be there? Yeah, well, it's funny you ask. Uh, um, Brian Smith, again, um, pulled me aside at training one, t- um, one day and basically said they had an option to sign me. So I signed for two years with a one-year option. Um, and then uh, Brian Smith come to me and said, mate, um, the game's going to pass you by. They're going to bring the interchange back from unlimited to 12, I think it was at the time. Uh, and the game's yeah. just going to be too quick for you. So we're going to kind of let you go. And I went, oh, okay. It kind of come out of the blue. And I just said, oh, okay. Do I look around then? Do I? And they go, yeah, you're free to look around. So I said to the manager, you know, we're free to look around. And Hugh McGahn actually contacted my manager at the time. Huey was the recruitment guy for the Warriors. And we met, I met with Hugh and um, he, they put a three-year deal on the table. And I just, yeah, well, at the end of the day, I, I, I took that offer up. Um, and after the fact, Brian Smith was actually trying to call my bluff a little bit because they knew I was a kind of a loyal type of bloke. And um, instead of paying me 100 grand, I think it was the contract was they wanted to get me a bit cheaper. Um, yep. So they actually wanted to keep me, but they, um, they, they, they called my bluff a little bit. And, uh, and, and the Warriors, yeah, put a, put a deal on the table. We couldn't refuse, really, so... Lucky yeah. for us. Yeah, very lucky for us. So you, you were coached by Kiwi legend Mark Graham. Um, <laughs> and and you, yeah, you played in, you played in a, a young team of, of a lot of future Warriors stars, actually. Um, Absolutely, yeah. But yeah, so what are, your, what are your memories of that first season at the Warriors there? Oh, it was a tough year. I, I, I remember going over there and it was, uh, it was exciting. It was exciting times. The big Joe Wagner and all those kind of boys were still there. And, um, you know, and I kind of went, Terry Hermanson, The Rock was there and... Uh, yeah. They all took me under their wing. I was only just cracking first grade at the time. So I took a little while to actually uh, get into the team because those guys were there. Um, but, um, yeah, it, the, you could see that the talent was there. There was a lot of young, really good players. And obviously, Stacey Jones was um, the key player in the club. And, um, you know, the young Monty Beathams and Henry Farfillies and all these exciting type of guys, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, it was really good, uh, good time, a good period of uh, for the Warriors, yeah. Yeah, 2000 was a tough season on the field, but was just as tough off the field for the Warriors. Um, What was the feeling like at the club at the end of the 2000 season where players were just being released and you guys had to fight for the money um, that you were promised? Like, what what was that feeling like amongst the players group? And did you think that you'd be there for 2001? Uh, No, I didn't think I would. I think we were gone. Uh, Yeah, it was chaos, actually. Um, we, there was uh, there was a whole lot of uh, innuendo going on about who, where, what, and what's going on, and we're getting paid. We, we we didn't get paid for the last few months of our contracts in that year, and there was no money, and there, there were, there were um, people buying in and giving all this type of stuff going on. But while all that was happening, the players were like, "No, nah, no, nah, stick solid, we're good. You know, we're going to do this." And but but that was a World Cup year, I think it was, and all the Kiwi boys were away in camp overseas in England, I think. So we were like, well, yep. so it, was really, it was really tough times. We didn't know where we were, where we stood, um, whether the contracts um, stood or what, you know, what was going on. So there was a little bit of helter skelter there for a little while. And then um, I think um, Stacey, I think they, they managed to sign a couple of the big boys from our club, Stacey and that. And they all said, yep, we'll, we'll agree. And then I, I think we all fell in order after that. 
and, uh, and, and everyone made sense of it. And I think that's when Eric Watson um, bought the club, um, paid yeah. and all that type of jazz. So, um, yeah, that was kind of, yeah, it was crazy times. But, uh, yeah, it was exciting times. But, you yeah, know, that's just part of footy life, really. Yeah, Watson came in. He was like the saviour and purchased a club ahead of the season. Um, and only 10 of you were from the 2000 roster were kept on. Um, mm. How did the players react to that? And what kind of guy was Eric Watson like? Because in that 25-year anniversary um, documentary, there's footage of you having a chat with Eric Watson. Um, yeah, what was he like as a, as a man, as a person? No, he was a genuine. He was a genuine bloke. He um, he didn't talk any crap or anything like that. He was straight to the point. Very astute businessman. Um, yeah. And I remember the first thing he did was he got us um, all as a group and everyone come back together, kind of thing. And um, took us up to one of these hotel mansions up there, up in in Auckland City, there somewhere, and he just had a chat to us. And he basically, honestly, said that um, he purchased the Warriors as a marketing, um, as the marketing enterprise to his um, his um, wealth. Um, and 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 Rocky wanted to crack the Australian market. He was really upfront with us, and um, you know, and we just respected the guy for that. And yep. from there, we uh, we all got fitted for Hugo Boss suits and all this jazz and. So, yeah, you kind of felt uh, a little bit special. And you see now the boys wearing all the top stuff. So um, that was the first time. We'd normally just have some shirts and shorts or some jeans to travel in and stuff like that. So we went, um, you know, he really um, planned, it, planned his mark on us and said, right, uh, we're, we're going we're gonna to look the part. And I remember, we remember getting comments when we travelled to Sydney. Like, we'd have, like, 20 of our staff and players rolling through Sydney Airport. And we look like a bloody uh, security guard, you know, some of the <laughs> very sincere and those were all six foot and 110 kilos. So and we were all just dressed in black with black shoes, black everything. So we we're, we're, were a pretty imp- imposing figure. Even when we turned up to stadiums at, at, off the team bus, all yeah. in black, we looked, you know, we looked um half mean and we played accordingly. So it was really good. Yeah. Yeah, well, well um, Daniel Anderson, at the time, he was a rookie coach. He, he, I think he coached lower grade at Parramatta. And yep. um, I think he was, he was a friend of or associate of Mick Watson. Um, so they got, they got him, yeah, got him over to the club. Um, what kind of impression did he make on the players? Yeah, mate, he, he, he changed the club. He changed New Zealand Rugby League, I believe. Um, he was a part of setting up that barter card competition um, when they went to, you know, that, all that type of thing. Yeah, I yeah. know you've gone back to normal provincial stuff now, but... um. Yeah, he set up all that uh, development process as well. So um, he he he, he uh, really um, did a lot of good stuff for the, the club. I actually knew Daniel from Parramatta. He was um, the reserve grade coach at Parra, and that's kind of how all that came about. Me uh, resigning there as well. Um, uh, I mean, when all that was going on, uh, Daniel Anderson was one of the coaches uh, that he was the coach from 2000. Um, so yeah, that's how I kind of come about resigning and stuff like that. But um, but yeah, no, it's um, he was he was uh, he were he had the same philosophies as uh, Brian Smith, um, but any and he just was a little bit more um, player savvy and he, and he had better relationships with the players. So no, he was a really good coach too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there was there was like an immediate improvement within the playing group in two thousand one, like immediate, like yeah. Um. So what do you what do you put that down to? Um. The sort of change and reversal in form and everything between two thousand two. Yeah, I, um, I I talk a lot about, and I, don't, I don't know if it's controversial or not, but I, I talk a lot about the bro code. And um, I think Daniel Daniel had a really good mix in that 2000-2001 season. We had a really good mix of Aussies and Kiwi players. 
Aussie base players in Kiwi. But that was when they got the champions with Clearies and yep. uh, all these type of players who. And again, it's no, it's no uh, blight on the on the Kiwi born, um, New Zealand born Kiwis, but they're just so so uh, kind and respectful. Uh, and and sometimes it's detrimental when when you're under the pump. And uh, what I think what Daniel brought and what that team in 2001 um, started was you know, that you're here to play footy and while you're here, there's no shortcuts, you're accountable and all that type of stuff. Whereas in the past, you, you, when, when you're under the pumping and one of them take a shortcut and they, they, they didn't get um, accountable, they weren't held accountable for it. So we yep. used to, like at training, if someone took a shortcut, you would cop a, uh, you know, a, a verbal spraying uh, from the boys and, uh, and, 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 and they meant it and you dealt with it and got on with it and learnt from it. But so that's when they say bro code, I think we, we just brought a lot of the Australian-based players just brought that not acceptable, you know, get the job done um, attitude and no yep. shortcuts or you're going to be held accountable to the team rather than just, yeah, it'll be all right, mate. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of, yeah. And, and Daniel Anderson, I remember Daniel Anderson, um, like when after during a game or at half time, if one of the Kiwi boys had stuffed up, done an offload, stupid, or well, Ali Lautiti was one of them who yep. would load at will. Sometimes Daniel would say, "Don't offload in our own half" or whatever, and he'd do a stupid one. And I remember one half time, Daniel just absolutely ripped shreds off him in his face, swearing at him, telling him, "You so and so," and all that. And Ali went to water. He really went to water. He didn't like that. He was like taking it personal. Uh, whereas it, it's just a heat of the moment type stuff. And Daniel had to learn that you can't do that with those type of players. Yeah, you yeah, yeah. You know? Whereas yeah. Aussie, they, they can slap us around the face, you know, headbutt, do whatever they do. And uh, we just react to it. Yeah, we stuff up. We know. Yeah, yeah. Slap yeah. me in the face and let's go. So that was the case. Just learning those the individuals and stuff like that. And I think it might have changed a little bit more now, um, you know, because it's so much more professional and everything like that. But, but yeah, there's definitely that was that element. And I think what we brought to the the organisation, you know, that that really installed that that type of uh, attitude. Yeah, in in that two thousand one season, the team went on a really impressive run at the back end of the season. You beat the Bulldogs, Panthers, Sharks, and Roosters, <laughs> and then you had a draw with Melbourne, and then you lost the last game of the season against the Cowboys. Cowboys <laughs> and a win. Yeah, it, at home. A win in that game. Yeah, a winning gap that, that game would have seen you finish seventh and play the dogs in the semis, but you end up finishing eighth and you had to, yeah, it came up against a red hot Parramatta. Yep. Do you put that that down, that loss to the Cowboys down uh, to experience inexperience within the group, or was it did the tough wins of those four and five weeks leading into that just take their toll on the young guys in that side? Yeah, absolutely. Well, not even the young guys, everyone. I think um, we put a lot of effort into making the semis for the first time. It was talked about a yeah. lot. We did it, and we didn't have to win the last game. I know it's. I know you want to win it to go year seven in hindsight and all that. But we again, I say this all the time. No NRL club or player um, goes out to lose the next game or goes no. out to lose yeah. any ever ever. And yeah. you just can't pick yourself up for the whole season. It's impossible. No. You know, you're a human being and you get tired. You've had a bad week. The missus is up, you know, you're arguing or whatever it might be. So you just can't be up all the time. And I think we were up for quite a long time, like you said. And yeah. um, we've made it. We've done it. We've got our grand final. We reached our goal. And, um, you know, we got to the semis. We don't need to worry about who we're playing. We're in the semis. And then, 
yeah, and then we were going to put our energy into Parramatta, who were just too good. But um, yeah, that was kind of a mental thing, I think. Um, I remember the game. Yeah, we 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 needed to win it. We wanted to win it. But we 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 celebrated the week before that we made the semis for the first time for the club. So. Yeah. Well, well. Um, on a different note, you you're also well known for driving a mini around Auckland. Um, yeah. What 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 made you choose a mini? <laughs> Well, my uncle actually had a mini uh, when I was growing up. And uh, yeah, it was a panel van mini, actually. It was a two-door uh, with a big uh, wagon at the back, station wagon. So um, ever since then, I used to, he used to you know, drop me to school in it and stuff like that every now and then. And I just had that love for minis, to be honest. Um, I've always wanted to own one. And there was one advertised where I was living um, just around the corner from me up there in um, Pakaranga. And um, went and, yeah, I went and had a look at it. And it looked all right. So yeah, that's when I purchased it. Yeah, the whole uh, the whole big man in a in a little car sort of really added to the cult status, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's why it's a bit weird and a bit funny, but yeah, I fit it all right. There, I'll tell you, I wasn't stretching out in it. I was not as uh, comfortable as in the car, but it's uh, a bit of fun. The um, that two thousand and one season, you guys were tipped to get the wooden spoon, and you made the semis, and then uh, the whole team went to another level in two thousand and two. Um, obviously. It was what you were talking about before. It was a mix of uh, the veterans, the young talent, um, eliminating that bro code, uh, making everyone accountable for what they did on and off the field. Yep. Oh, yeah, absolutely, mate. Yeah, we, uh, but that's what I put it down to. We, we, we pretty much maintained the same side as well and added a few really good keys. I think they, um, in 2001 or 2002, PJ Marsh came to the club. Um, which yep. really stiffened up through the middle there, and he went on and played Origin. Um, so yeah, we had a really we had a really good skill mix, and uh, and again, all those younger players were that year older, um, you know, and yep. you know they, they were confident as well. So yeah, we we had a really good side, you know, to to score. Yeah, I, I personally I think two thousand two was your was your best season in the NRL, and um, a couple of couple of tries that I, I remember quite fondly from that two thousand and two season versus the Cowboys. Uh, yeah. We set up that for Quentin Torpy from the kickoff. Can you, can you talk us through that one? Yeah, it's a strange one, that one. Um, I honestly, so me and John Buttigieg from the Cowboys, uh, yeah. I billeted John Buttigieg. We, we, we used to play against each other in um, rep footy and stuff. So I billeted John Buttigieg in, right when we were 16, when they came down. So I knew Butts really well. And off the kickoff, John Buttigieg was trying to kill me, uh, to smash me. And I honestly, I honestly, I, I, I did, yeah, put on a little left foot step because I saw him coming out of me. I knew he was going to get me. And I just put on a little left foot step to get away from him. And uh, he just kind of kept going. So the hole opened up. And I just, yeah, I just pinned the ears back. And yeah, I was definitely not going to get there. So I, I then hit Ivan Cleary, I think, who then hit Yeah, Ivan, yeah. yeah. And it was a real strange one. I did that one. And then I think I scored in the same game as well. I scored a try, which is rare. So... I had, a, I had a pretty good night out up there and it's normally pretty tough up there because it was always hot. Yeah. So yeah. And sweaty and, and again, fitness was always the key up there. Well, well, you say you didn't get too many tries, but I remember a game against the West Tigers also in 2002 <laughs> where you got a double. One of them... Only one of them double, double, yeah, me only double. <laughs> yeah. I remember that one. I, I actually came off the bench that day as well. And um, the first one that I scored when uh, Kevin Campion uh, dropped me under, I'd literally come on the field just then I, I'd run onto the field I was basically in the centers heading towards the middle yep. and uh, and I was fresh so that helps and uh yeah Campo just literally I just ran I was rolling through to the middle and Campo just ran across so he gave it to me and 
with fresh legs, I just, yeah, pinned the ears back and got lucky and scored a try. And then the other one was, yeah, just a kick. Um, we, we didn't really practice it at training, but um, you're always, you know, we're always learning, um, told to, you know, chase kicks and stuff like that. And I didn't call for it or anything. I was just kind of loitering around the post and uh, yep. <laughs> up in the air. So I, uh, I, I would have, I, I think I left the ground by at least a couple of centimetres. And, yeah. And took oh, a yeah. Sport, yeah. For sure. oh, yeah. Climbed high. You climbed high. Plenty of hands. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, I, it was funny. That was the only time I've scored two tries in a game. And back then as well, I've got a prized um, art piece that um, Boo Bailey does for Player of the Round. Back yeah. In yep. the yeah, and I won that award, so I've got kind of I'm sitting there with a fat, um, fat little chubby face with a tiger's tail coming out through me now. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, so I hold that one pretty close to my heart, actually. A little Boo Bailey artwork. Boo Bailey, nice. nice. So, so I believe I believe it, it might have been 2002. I think yourself and Brent Webb got selected in the Queensland sort of emerging squad. Is that right? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I um I was actually the captain of the, the 2000. It was 2000. I was the captain of the emerging origin side. Yeah. And um, yeah, that was, uh, that was, there was a couple of players you might know. Cameron Smith was in my team. And, yeah, I think uh, I've heard of him. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Is he oh, still yeah. playing? And then it co- uh, coached it. And, yeah. But yeah, there was, uh, yeah, there was a few boys in there. But I captained it just because I was the oldest bugger in the team. So um, yeah, we played Papua New Guinea in like a two test series, um, one up in Cairns and one down at Penrith, I think it was. So, yeah. yeah, that was exciting and good fun. I never made Origin, mate, because uh, Origin was always picked at the start of the year, and I always put on weight in the off season and had a slow start mm-hmm. of the year. Uh, and yeah, and and I yeah, I was never fit enough. I remember PJ Marsh coming back from Origin when he played, and 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 when he got replaced, he started the game. He got replaced, and he was saying he could not feel his leg. He was like out on his feet, and he's the fittest bloke I know. So. <laughs> I don't know. I would not have been fit enough for Origin. <laughs> yeah, I love your honesty. I love your honesty. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I guess, I guess, probably counting against you was there were some fairly handy props playing for Queensland at that time. You know, Shane Webke, Steve Price, and these guys. But you, you, mate, you wouldn't have been out. Yeah, you wouldn't have been out of place in State of Origin, in my opinion. So <laughs> you're just unlucky to miss out there. But um. Just going back to the 2002 season, so so obviously you finished the year minor premiers after the Bulldogs had all their points stripped for the for rorting the salary cap. Yeah. So um, yeah, what was what was the feeling like going in as minor premiers and, and having the whole the whole city of Auckland and the whole country of New Zealand like right behind you there? What was that like? Uh, as far as minor premiers go, it was uh, we didn't really think much of that. We got lucky. Uh, I think the Bulldogs were sick clear or something like that when they lost their points. So yeah. we, really, we really got lucky in that that aspect. Um, but yeah, we, we we were on a roll. We we were confident. You know, no team could beat us. We could only beat ourselves that year. And um, and yeah, we were very confident. And uh, playing in those semi that semi final against Cronulla at Shark Park was um, was really the highlight. Making it to the grand final. Um, Eric Watson uh, um, handed out free tickets basically to all expat Kiwis in Australia for the semi-final and the grand final. So they were doing huckers in the stand and uh, we sang the, the New Zealand national anthem and the Australian national anthem. So just things like that. And I think there was 45,000 um, at the Cronulla game uh, in the stands yeah. and probably 30,000 of them would have been um, Kiwis um, supporting yeah. us. And then um, in the, um, and then there was 20, oh, five or 10,000 at the airport when we got home. Um, it was chaos and crazy. Yeah. So 
Well, the grand final when we come home, um, they, they, Dave Dobbin put on a concert back at Ericsson Stadium um, or Smart Smart. And um, yeah. we had to, uh, and then we went back there after the, um, when we got back to New Zealand. And they said, don't go to the airport because it just caused chaos. So we, we went to the uh, stadium after it and yeah, and just met the fans and stuff like that. Yeah. So, so just, just going back a little bit. So that, that first finals game you played against Canberra at, um, at Mount Smart. So yep. that was actually the first ever finals game played outside of Australia. So it was a very special occasion. And, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. We, um, we played well in that one too, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah it was packed, packed stadium. Um, you, you scored a barnstorming try yourself. In no, that I was going to say, I think I remember scoring a try in that game. Yeah. I didn't know. <laughs> oh, we know, mate. We've got all the details. We, we, we know it all. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> um. That two thousand, you were talking about that two thousand preliminary final against Cronulla, and about Eric Watson. I remember Eric Watson purchased fifteen thousand tickets, mm-hmm. and living in Sydney, um, they put out the call that anyone with a New Zealand passport could get four tickets to the game. So, yeah, I was there. I got my uh, New Zealand passport out, got my four tickets, and you're right. There's about forty five thousand screaming Kiwis. We were all doing harkers. Yeah, um, it was like it was a party atmosphere. Um, how confident were you guys heading into that match? Uh, yeah, yeah, we were real we confident. Yeah, we were always confident. Like I said, we we at that stage we could only beat ourselves. We were we were pretty confident. We had a really good rounded, well rounded squad. Um, yeah, it was semi finals. We were realistic. Um, but yeah, we were on a bit of a roll as well. We were, we were pretty confident and we were doing well. And yeah, it was a tight game. Canal. It was a tough one for sure. They had a really good side as well. Um, but yeah, we 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 knew we were good enough to go all the way, we just had to keep doing what we were doing all year. Well, you're right what you said that um, you guys could only beat yourselves um, because during that year, that's when Canterbury went on that 15-game winning run and it was the Warriors that ended that 15-game winning run of the Bulldogs too. So yeah. A lot of people don't, don't re- realise that and, you know, there's, all these, there's always been that conjecture that, oh, if the Bulldogs had made the semis, they would have won the grand final, but... Uh, or they would have been in the grand final, but I've always maintained that that wouldn't be the case because we'd already proved that we were the side that could knock them yeah. out off Absolutely. in games of footy. Yeah. Um, yeah, they had a really good pack. It was always a really tough they pack. They did. <laughs> I, remember, I remember that year there was news reports when um, I think Matty Utah made his debut for the Bulldogs that year, and there was like stories of oh, Matty Utah's never lost a game of footy and they came up against the Mighty Warriors and... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> there's um there's a famous scene of you and Kevin Campion embracing after that Cronulla match. Um, yeah. Tell us what he was like as a teammate. Oh, he was unbelievable, Campo. He's uh, one of the toughest blokes I uh, ever played with. Um, real hard and just dry. Like just uh, we're here to get the job done. Let's do it. When the when uh, when we're off the field uh, and and just relaxing, he was just a relaxed gentleman. You know, just you know, even uh, like. Don't hurt me or don't be rough with me. Just, you know, relax, man. But on the field, he was just an animal. So, <laughs> field again, like, no, I like, didn't do nothing stupid. Didn't, you know, just a genuine, normal bloke on the field. Crazy, put his head where people won't put their foot kind of thing. So, yeah, yeah. But I still keep in contact with Campbell. He lives here on the Gold Coast as well. So, he's a, he's a really good mate of mine. And, uh, yeah, he's, uh, he was one of the toughest players I played with for sure. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, so so how was how was the build up to the grand final? Obviously, a massive moment in the club's history, qualifying for the first ever grand final. What was the feeling like the build up in, in New Zealand, and 
and what was the what was the feeling like it within the playing group? Uh, oh, the, we had a young side. Like we had we had Campo and Ivan, those guys. So you know they kept us pretty well, well grounded. Um, but we had a young side, so the excitement was there. New Zealand was going crazy. You know they they loved it. The media wanted you know wanted a lot a, a lot of us. Um, so that really that last week we didn't do much training at all. Um, we did a little bit of recovery. I think we flew flew back um, into Auckland on a Saturday. I think up of Sunday after the game. Uh, yeah, it was a Sunday, I think it was. And then, um, but we were heading back to Sydney back on, on the Wednesday, and we had to do all the New Zealand media train recover and do all that as well. So it was a pretty hectic week. We had to come back to Sydney Wednesday night, I think it was for the Thursday. Uh, grand final breakfast, breakfast yeah. um so we had all that on the thursday then i think we had a bit of a training session captain's run thursday or friday and um yeah and then played the game so there was not much training needed um we just needed to get our heads back in the game and you know, get ready for the big one again so yeah just on that mate what what kind of food do they serve at the grand final breakfast don't even get started on food. <laughs> Breakfast, I think it was a bacon and a sausage or something like that and some eggs or something like that. But um, it's funny you say the food. So we'd spent the last two weeks, you know, travelling to Sydney for Cronulla, then doing the grand final preparation and all that. So we did a lot of hotel stuff. We went and did our captain's run on the Friday night, I think it was, at the stadium. But you had to walk through uh, um, the East Roosters um, um, gym and all that. Oh, yeah, yeah. And through the tunnel, see? So one of our trainers has actually jumped on some scales uh, right next to the entry to the tunnel. And he's said to Daniel Anderson, holy shit, I've, I've put on five kilos this week or something like that. And uh, so Daniel Anderson says, get the players and get them on these frigging scales. And so we've all got to weigh in. So I'm, I'm yeah, I'm, I'm five kilos here as well. And he's, he's just looked at me like, oh my God, like looks to kill. And uh, yeah, I'd put on five kilos over the last two weeks as well. So yeah, uh, he was... He, pissed off with us all and a few, a few blacks had put on a few kilos here and there but um yeah but I was, i'm like oh no not why you got me again so all good it, in that um in that 25 year anniversary documentary daniel anderson says that when the warriors were doing their captain's run billy idol was practicing his pre-game entertainment um at the ground um and as we all know, he suffered that those technical difficulties at the well, at the actual yeah. grand final. So no one actually got to hear him perform. But Daniel Anderson says that the Warriors are the only ones that got to hear him perform. And was it Henry Farfilly got up on stage and was dancing with him during that time as well? Oh, I can't honestly can't remember, but it would have been someone like Henry for sure. Yeah, yeah. he would do. Uh, but Did you yeah, get to meet was, Billy? Pardon? <laughs> Did you get to meet Billy Idol yourself? No, no, no. They were down at the end of the field, rocking behind the goalposts just on the stage. They do more doing sound checks and stuff like that. And okay. uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I think uh, I think um, from memory, we were doing kicking and catching. There, the boys were kicking and catching, and the two wingers had dropped back and the fullback and stuff. So I think that's how that come about with um, Henry. Had, had someone, one of the boys, had him down the stage somewhere to get a ball. And yeah. in in the game itself, that like as. Coaches always say, you know, try and get an early touch or make an early tackle to get the nerves out of the way. In the game itself, you took the first hit up of the game from the kickoff. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't remember it initially. I did not remember taking the first hit up at the grand final. After the game and three months later when I watched the replay again, I 
then thought, Jesus, well, I actually carried the first one off the kickoff. I didn't realize that. But yeah, I, it was, I don't know. I was just in, a, I didn't get knocked out or anything like that. I just was in the moment. And it was yeah. very, I, I didn't start too many games in my career, actually. So to do, to do that was, uh, yeah, pretty, I was impressed with that. And I, honestly, I can't remember, obviously I had to think I had number 10 on my back, but I just don't remember the starting of the game or anything. It was just crazy. Daryl, on the grand final, um, there was a lot made about uh, what actually happened at halftime in the sheds. So, so there's there's a lot of reports that there was some kind of recording played about about you guys beating the Broncos in the grand final or something like that. Is there any? Yeah. That? it wasn't it wasn't uh, beating the Broncos in the grand final. It was so they did a little bit of an audio thing because we had a few departing players. Um, and they did a bit of an audio thing where they were just mucking around at training or a chip and chase in the game, you know, that type of thing. And they put together, it went for about three minutes, I think it was. And it was um, emotional and, and, and things like that. But, yeah, and then um, at halftime, like, it, it had never been done all season. But we'd never seen it before. Um, but the video that we saw was actually, they showed us at training and stuff like that. So he, he just played that at halftime as a bit of a motivation or something like that. And um, it was weird. It was different. Um, I yeah. don't think it won us or lost us the game, to tell you the truth, to be honest. Um, but, yeah, we kind of came in and we had to go sit in the, on the plastic chairs and watch the big screen. And, yeah, we normally come in and have a drink of water and listen to whatever we need to do best and uh, chat with each other. So it was a little bit different. Um, yeah, he tried. It didn't work. But uh, I don't think we won or lost us the game from that. Yeah, well, Dacey. Yeah, oh, we'll sorry, just, mate. Go. Yeah, sorry. Um, this is just a, a while we're on the topic. Is a question from my mate um, Robbie Daly. So he was wondering, was there actually an altercation between um, Campo and um, Daniel Anderson at halftime? No, nah, there's no altercation. No, nah. I I think after it, Campo may have voiced his opinion about like what to the police or what is this shit? Or, but uh but honestly yeah no nah, there was no altercation like there was nothing happened the last time um other than watching a video that we hadn't done all year um yeah we just did what we need to do the i think stacy said some words and you know the leaders kind of spoke to their sections like normal but yeah it was just a little bit different really i i'm here or there with it yeah stacy's try is one of the best individual tries in a grand final and it seemed to really lift the, the team um, until Big Villa, the gorilla, put that hit on Freddie and it, that kind of changed the momentum of the game. How do you, like being in, that, yeah, being in that game, how do you look back on that game and the whole grand final experience? Well, it's funny, is all, everyone says it and I was in the game and I know what happened. And Richard Villasani didn't do nothing to Freddie. Didn't he, head, didn't he go in for a tackle no, and, and no. hit his head? I'll tell you what happened. So okay. if, you what, um, if you watch in the game, um, um, Freddie goes to kick the ball and Wairangi Kulfu charges him down or yep. jumps up to, to do a charge down. When Wairangi Kulfu's charged him down, he's clipped him with his elbow. Oh. And, he, and he's just grazed his elbow across oh. his eyebrow and split him. So Freddie falls back yep. on the ground and as he's done that, Brad um, uh, Villa has pounced on him and looks like he's come home and got him with an elbow. 
Ah. He's already bleeding. He's already bleeding by now. And then when he sits up to the camera, he's got blood everywhere. Villa yeah. just jumps on him to make the tackle and stop the play. But it was actually Warangi Korpu who just clipped him and just split him. It looks like on an old scar and just split him. And that's kind of, but it, it's irrelevant to the fact from then, Freddie just turned it on and yeah. um, for him. Like it was, the rest is history. But yeah, poor old uh, Villa gets smashed for that. For that. <laughs> he does. <laughs> he does. Charged down from uh, Warangi Korpu. Wow. Collected him. Well, if you ever see this Richard Bill Sandy, I apologise. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, Bella. No, <laughs> For all I'm these sure years. <laughs> well, you heard it here first, folks. That, that's that's dispelled all those old wives' tales about that, that incident. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, we won't go too much more into the 2002 grand final because it didn't go too well from about that point on. <laughs> from that point on, let's stop the game there. Yeah, we'll, we'll yeah, yeah, I normally yeah. I normally turn it off after Stacey's try and that. Yeah, eight, six, eight six and that's it. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that was yeah, a final yeah. score as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, going into going into 2003 though, um, obviously you had a couple of key departures in obviously Campo and, and Ivan Cleary. So a couple of experienced old heads in the team went out and um we, but having said that, 2003 was another successful season, and we finished we finished just short of the grand final. So we lost to that Penrith team that that went on to to win the grand final. Uh, what do you, what are your memories of the the following season, 2003? Um, yeah, we definitely had lost. You know, the Campo and Ivan were a really big loss. Um, but yeah, we, there was no there was no real hangover from the grand final or anything like that. Um. I think in 2003, we just consolidated what we'd done with uh, O2. Um, yeah. And we just came off the... We, we were still building as a club and everything like that. And um, But, yeah, a few of the boys were hurting from the, losing the grand final. And uh, But, yeah, we just had to you know, get back onto it. And we, 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 were, we were very consistent through that era. Yeah. yeah. Two, 2004 was probably the toughest year in Warriors history. Um, a number of key players, including yourself, departed the club. Yep. What was the feeling like amongst the players when Ali was was kind of sacked? Because I can remember as a as a fan and as a member, we were kind of blindsided. I mean, living in Australia, we didn't get a lot of the news yeah. early, what they do in New Zealand. We were kind of blindsided by that decision for the club to release Ali. Yeah. How did that... It was, yeah. real, it was a real weird one. Um, I think again, I'm only going on what I was, what I've been told about that. But Mick Watson, the CEO at the time, had called Adley in for a meeting, um, and words were said. Um, and Mick, I think, apparently, Mick Watson had said to Adley, "What is your most important? What's most important in your life?" Um, and Adley said, "Family." Yeah. And and, um, and Mick Watson goes, "So the Warriors and rugby league is not your most." important part of life and he goes no no definitely my family you know they come first and and then mick basically said if that's your attitude you can go and ali's gone okay i'm out and ali literally come back we were all i remember sitting there we were all milling around the gym i think it might have been around over lunchtime or something like that and um <laughs> ali's kind of walked into his locker emptied the gravity stuff and walked out the gym and we we're all we were all just absolutely dumbfounded by it and he yeah i think he saw me the club in England leads or something um, after like pretty much straight away just gone 
and then there, there was a bit of a procession after that. We were just kind of, yeah. I, I don't yeah. know what, what the, I, I don't know if the club was trying to revamp themselves or because I think Daniel Anderson then um, yeah. left the club and uh, and then Tony Kemp actually took over from Daniel halfway through that year and that was the demise from me. Uh, Kempi uh, had basically told me um, you know, to get get going as well and there was a few, you know, there was quite a few that um, we, you know, we just, yeah, they all just departed after that. But yeah, I think the Ali situation was dealt with um, pretty you know, randomly really. Mm, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's a nice bloke, champion bloke. But yeah, just that situation. I don't know. I don't know where it come from, why, where, how. But yeah, it resulted in <laughs> catastrophic, really, for the club. <laughs> it, sure, was. it sure did. Like, I mean, as you said, Daniel Anderson was sacked, resigned, whatever, whatever actually happened. Like, not long after that. Yeah. So, so, what what do you think um, went wrong between two thousand and three when your preliminary final and two thousand four? It just all seemed to fall apart what, what do you think what do you think uh put that down yeah, I, I honestly don't know um obviously something was going on up the top um in in, in off the, away from the footy field um for you know all that shenanigans to kind of go on uh, when that becomes unstable the players you can't hide that the players know and uh and and i think that was the demise of it all and when you do something like that to one of the beloved ali yeah. um, he is one of the best players you'll ever meet and we just show him the door, then there's just no confidence. There was just absolutely no confidence yeah. there. So, um, yeah, and then so then from there it was just you know it was there was a whole lot of cancer in the club then, and uh, you know all the little window talk and all that, and you just can't be successful when there's that stuff going on. You know, yeah. I, that's that's the only answer I can put it down to. Um, there was turmoil in the up in the hierarchy there somewhere, and and it just filtered through. Yeah. Uh, after, after I, don't if, uh, I don't I don't know if the staff at that time um, could handle the the glamour of where the club was. It was there yeah. for the first time as well. You know, they they're in the spotlight. There there's expectation now to make yeah. yep. from the public and the sponsors and the media. And I just I don't know if they handled that kind of well. We're a time of top four side now. Um, every year I don't know if they handled that. Yeah. After, after you spent time at the Warriors, you had three seasons in the English Super League yeah. with uh, Castleford Tigers, London Broncos and Harlequins. Mm. How did you find the, uh, the ESL compared to the NRL? Because I actually really enjoyed it. I had to go to England. I had to leave in the 04 season because there's a qualification. Back then there was a qualification period and you yep. had to play 75% of your last hundred games or twenty games or something like that. Of oh, the last season, I think it was. And my actual um, qualification was running out if I didn't play because I wasn't getting NRL games um, through 04. I was kind of yeah. getting a little bit here and there. Yeah. I was playing more for Mount Albert than um, yeah, the um, Mount Albert. Lions. And, yeah. yeah. And uh, so I had to go I had to make a decision and then we had to just like go with it. So um, I went to Castleford because Sean Long from Cronulla had um, Done his medial ligament and he was, he was retiring, so they, they had a spot for an Australian-based player. So yep. myself and a guy named Stephen Crouch went over. Um, yeah, the Castleford Tigers is a great club. They've got a, they're passionate fans. You know, they're real passionate fans. <laughs> that, that rugby league is all they kind of have up, up in, yeah. the, in the woods there. And um, I really enjoyed my time there. They were coming last, and we kind of had to get them out of relegation. Um, so we were under a bit of pressure. 
Um, and yeah, we nearly made it. We just um, we lost the last game against Wakefield, and uh, we needed to win that one, and we needed a couple of results to go our way to get out. And it was a sad day that that was the last. Um, that was the first and only time that the club's been relegated out of that. Yeah. That's when I went to London. So, yep. Yeah. Um, you played 125 games, first grade games in, in the NRL with three clubs over nine seasons. And I think I know who you're going to say, but who was the toughest teammate you ever played with? The toughest teammate I ever played with? Yeah, it was yep. definitely Kevin Kerpian. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was one tough bugger. Um, yeah, like, yeah, he's one of those guys that, when you when you look at the team list and he's in the team, you'll feel him better because he, yeah. you know, he he's going to do a lot of the work. He's going to do a lot of work. He's going to be beside you. And he ain't going to you know cat it or go missing or anything like that. So he was one guy that I played footy with. Dean Pay was another one. Um, when I went to Parramatta, I was just a young kid, and uh, I was only like 19, 20 when I went down there. I was about I think I was ten or fifteen NRL games in. So to learn from him. Um, when there was no such thing as grapple tackle and none of this. Uh, yep. So, yeah, it was a tough old period of, uh, and he taught me a lot um, uh, on how to be tough and play hard and, and everything like that. So, yeah, that, those two guys come to mind straight away. But, yeah, there's been plenty of uh, tough boys in, that I've played with. So, so, so who was the toughest opponent that you played against? The toughest opponent, like 100% Ruben Wiki. Um, when he was yes. at the Mike, he was, uh, he was like, again, there's no fat on him. And whether he had the ball or you had the ball, like you knew when you collided him, you, it's going to hurt. There was no, he was muscle and bone, mate. So, and he still is the bar. Looks, though, so. I was going to say, he looks fitter now than he did when he played. Yeah, mate. Yeah, no, he's, he's an absolute champion. I caught up with him actually last, at the grand final last year. Um, I, I, I do a, the boys New Zealand. Um, from in the cable there, I um I do a trip with the grand final down there every year, and have the Raiders is the team that I support now, and they um and Ruben was uh, the special guest for the uh, Ken Stevenson's medal, so he actually came on the boat with us and we had a few beers, and yeah, it was great to catch up with him actually. Uh, I, well, I've got I've, I've got a couple more questions. I feel I feel that you may have answered these already. <laughs> who, who was who was the hardest person to tackle? Hardest close tackle, yeah. Ruben was definitely yeah. one. Um, the other ones were like uh, when I, when we played the Broncos through that era, you know, Webke and um, Sibina Siva. Yeah. Shane yeah. Webke was one of the toughest players as well, just for the sheer fact from hit up number one to hit up number twenty, he ran the same. Yeah, <laughs> like there was no there was no in between. He was just flat chat. So you always had to respect. There, he wasn't. Um, he would run over the top of you. He would try and run over the top of you. No problem without that. But there was no. I'm going to bounce you and offload it. He just run hard and you had to stop him, you know. Um, Petro was exactly the same as um, Ruben. He had no no fat on him at all. He was as hard as nails. Um, but he had offload and he had a bit more in him, so yeah. it was a bit scary. Um, but, yeah, like even uh, I would hate to have been on the other side of Effective Palacina. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, really Mr. Effective. Yeah. I was lucky. But Tom Secker was um, yeah, at the top of his game. He was just absolutely um, powerful. Yeah. That yeah. try he set up against South Sydney that day, where he ran ran over the top of that poor little Fijian bloke, and put, again put Clinton Torpy yeah. away. I mean, that's that was brutal. That was absolutely he, brutal. Yeah, he used to run. He used to run like yeah, he was galloping, he was, didn't he? Galloping, <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, he ran. I remember one day. I remember one day he um he ran that hard. They tackled him. I think he scored a try, but he split his spleen. Oh so yeah. Kind of, what? Yeah, yeah. He, just on impact, he um and he was hunched over after the game, and we're like. 
like, oh, he's broken a rib or something. But he had a um, ruptured spleen from mm. a from an impact because he just runs so hard. And someone, you know, you know just met him with another big collision, and yeah, he ruptured his spleen and was got off to hospital. And yeah, I don't know if he had it removed or what. Like just that type of stuff was um, yeah, next level. So, so I, again, you probably answered this, but um, who who is the who is the hardest? tackler in the opposition who's the biggest hitman that you played against oh i played against a few actually it was uh, i played against a few well matt ruer from the uh, melbourne storm oh, yeah. was, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. he was well known he was well known but again rubes if he hit you 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 stayed hit mate he was uh he was ruthless really um <laughs> yeah they're, they're, like, there's a plenty there's a lot of them you know but i because i played at the start of that i played um like in the early well the late 1990s so there was 90s, still, yeah. still uh, real tough men around back yeah. then and when there was no grapple with yeah. no such thing. Yeah. So my first, in, in my first five games, I played against Newcastle Knights and it was one of the games I actually was scared. Um, and I had Paul Harrigan, Tony Butterfield, um, um, Muir, Adam Muir, like all these yep. guys. Like, I'm, not, I'm an 18-year-old and they were headbutting me in the scrum and ripping me ears. Like, it was a scary, uh, scary time. And uh, so, yeah, mate, yeah there, there, there's a lot of big hitters in the game. But, yeah, Rubes, yeah, you tried to run away from him. Yeah, right. Playing at the Warriors meant a lot of international travel for you guys. Who was your roommate when the Warriors played in Australia when you stayed at hotels over here? Yeah, mate, I, um, I, I had a couple. I had Justin Morgan. I had uh, I was with Villa. I was normally with one of the front rowers. Um yeah, well, we tried to keep us with um, the gamblers, really. We always played cards and so, yeah, it was always me. And uh, it was normally me and Morg versus um, Arwen and Stacey. They, they were the arch enemy and the bloody cheats at um, Euchre and all that. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, we used to play yeah, from, from when we left. We got on the bus to when we kicked off the, the ball. We used to play cards and, uh, yeah, just have a bit of fun, really, and relax. Yeah. Well, I mean, after uh, well, after your, your footy career, ended, you dabbled in a bit of uh, local politics in uh, your hometown there at Logan. Um, how'd you find yourself involved in local politics? Oh, mate, I was uh, when I retired. I I, I was doing uh, recruitment and development for the Canberra Raiders in oh, Logan, yeah. where I come from. I'm from Logan, um, so um, and they had an affiliation through Meninga and um, Daly, um, Belcher, and that. Um, so through the South Logan and the Canberra Raiders, and so I ended up getting a job there. And I was just in the community all the time with schools and finding kids and you know doing programs and all that type of jazz. Uh, and then honestly, and then I uh, I met a couple of politician mates. Um, they became mates, and um, I actually did a bike ride from Brisbane to Canberra for charity um, in 2008. And um, on that ride, I had three politicians and a couple of um, police um, guys and a couple of footy coaches. So we kind of formed a relationship there. And honestly, how the politics came about was the guy that was running, uh, that was the current um, local member in my area where I live, was retiring after 32 years. And uh, there, was, there was a spot there. And uh, these guys convinced me and endorsed me to run for it. Um, and there was, a, there was four, four candidates in, that, in my race. And um, Logan and, the, and the South, South, Southeast Queensland is a real Labor-dominant area. And um, yeah, the guy that represented Labor ended up getting the votes and he, he got in. He's now the deputy mayor up there in the area. And um, yeah, I, politics definitely wasn't for me. I um, realised that kind of halfway through the election. 
Um, <laughs> and and I, uh, I went through with it and uh, had a good uh, good experience. But um, yeah, there's too much um, politics involved with it, mate. And I, yeah. I call it as it is. So I wouldn't have been a successful politician before. In previous interviews, you've always been pretty open and honest about your struggles with weight, yeah. um, and how and how after you retired, you put on a couple of kilos. More than you're, you're kind of like me. You're one of those people that you you can't just train for the sake of training. You've got to have some goal to work towards. And Absolutely. yeah, um, tell us about how you trained and completed the Gold Coast Marathon. Yeah, it's really funny actually. I um. So when I retired, I, I, I put on 10 kilos a year. So I, I topped out at 157 kilos. Um, and I got, I, I, got, I got down to about 140 or odd kilos. And I, I put an ad in the paper um, and said, um, who would like to do a, a marathon with me? Um, and I just put a little ad in the paper and put my photo in there. I got um, five replies. So I organized a, a, an old mate from um, Marsden High School, actually a school teacher, and he was a um, he was the PE head of PE, and he um, he I, I signed him up to be the coach for our running, and I yep. signed him up also for our diets and stuff like that. So I char I put together we with with his assistance I put together a uh, package where they paid I can't remember the actual price I think it was two hundred and fifty dollars each up front, and we got them protein shakes and we did diet and weigh-ins and and all that all in all in um, all to help me, aid me in my journey, but yep. to help them as well. So we, uh, we ended up getting 11 for the, for the Gold Coast Marathon um, and we trained really hard. I lost 30 kilos over the, I think it was six months that we trained for. I lost about 30 kilos. Everyone else lost about 12 to 15 kilos. Yep. Uh, and we all completed the marathon, um, as, as, not as a group, but uh, together we all were there at the end and stuff like that. So... That was the first one, and I planned on doing the first, I, I planned on doing three marathons back to back. So I then did the Brisbane Marathon, and then I did, went on and did the Sunny Coast Marathon after that. So there was three marathons in twelve weeks, uh, and wow. I after doing the first one, I was like, "You beauty did it." That was a goal of mine, life goal. Um, we just walked it and then ran it and did a little bit of that the whole way through. Um, but yeah, when I got to the third marathon in the twelve weeks, I hadn't done any tra much training after the first one because I thought, oh, yeah, I'm good. I'm good to go, you know, I'll just get this next one done. So by the time I did the third one, I tore an ITB in my, in my knee oh. and um, it was torture. It was the darkest day of my life. I got it finished, but um, it was a very tough day. And I was doing it on my own. I had no one with me. So I was, it was just a really crap day, real crap, everything. Nothing went to plan. Got it finished. And um, yeah, I've done eight now. So wow. I've completed eight full marathons and I'm, Planning on doing a couple more. I'm looking to do an Ironman. Actually, I want to do um, the Taupo Ironman over in New Zealand. Uh, that's my really that's my lifetime goal. And I've, I've actually spoken to Mad Butcher about maybe maybe trying to get um, a sponsor to help me get over there and yep. uh, and do yep. it. And yeah, you know, do some media interviews and stuff like that. So um, I was actually going to come in March next year and try and have a go, but with COVID and stuff, it's kind of yeah. stuffed it up. So I might wait um, another 12 months for March next in 2022. Um, I might even look at the orphan one. I don't know, but I really need to. Um, I need a really good swim because swim is my best leg. But I can't. I can't swim against currents and stuff like that, or I'll, I'll be stuck. So. Mate, keep us updated on all of that because yeah, yeah, um, yeah we'll we'll do whatever we can to to help if you are going to do some, oh, okay. yeah, some fundraising or anything like that. We're not going to help compete. No, we'll watch. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll come and watch. Um, we'll be. Yeah. Uh, 
we'll be the guys on the side of the road that hold the drinks for you when yeah, you come yeah, off with all those assistants. Yeah, well, you achieved so much um, post rugby league playing career, and as you mentioned before, you were a, a talent scout there at Logan Brothers um, and for the Canberra Raiders, and um, you, you were quite uh, instrumental in um, getting Josh Papali to. to I was uh, as a team. We were we, we did really well. We ran a really good program, second to none, um, when I was there. And there was a guy. It's funny. The guy that ran the program up here in Queensland and helped me get the job was actually the guy who recruited me to the NRL, Brian Edwards. He was the guy who got me to go to the Crushers. When I came home and retired, I touched base with him, and he goes, "Hang in there. There might be something going around here with the Raiders." And I'm like, "Okay, yeah, sweet ass." So I got the job there. And then, but when I come home, my first um, thing that I wanted to do was go back to Woodridge High School where I could, my old school. And yep. so I just went back there and said, can I help you do some footy stuff? You know, I'm keen to help out where I can, blah, blah, blah. And then I saw this massive Polynesian kid named Josh Papali. And I'm like, oh, who's this kid? And they said, oh, yeah, that's Josh, yeah. And I'm like, no, 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 who's this kid? You know, we need to do something. And he's the one kid that I, uh, I can say that I was, I, I actually promoted to sign this kid. I worked with Milford and um, you know, yep. Papali, Papali um, Edric Lee, Brenko Lee, all those guys who all come through that Logan system. And there was about 11 or 12 of them at the time. Um, so I was very lucky to work with these young, talented kids. And um, yeah, so Josh Papali is one kid that I, I actually pushed on the Raiders and said, mate, this kid's good. Let's sign him. We had to, it was funny. We had to send a video down to Canberra showing how good he was. And they kind of said, oh, yeah, Polly, you know, slow leg, leg, leg speed. And I said, he was watching the right guy. And they're like, oh, yeah. And so they hummed and hard for maybe a couple of weeks. And, and then in that off-season, they brought, they brought up an SG ball side. So we had a little scrimmage against each other. It was more of a trip for the Raiders kids. Um, but they'd come up and play against the South Logan squad, who we'd put together. Well, Josh Papali and Shannon Boyd ripped shreds off each other <laughs> in the game. They absolutely smashed each other. Shannon Boyd was their big marquee person and Papali just leveled him and then he leveled Papali when he read it too. So at half time they've just gone, whoa, we used to come up no more, seen enough. And then the rest is kind of history. He's gone and done amazing things. So um, yeah. yeah, that that's it. That's in a in a nutshell, that's why I support the Raiders. They're uh, they've been my team since I retired. I obviously yep. keep an eye on the Warriors as well. I, I have a lot to do with the Warriors when they come over and um, I catch up with being a guest at the training and mm. stuff like that, Steve Turney and that. So um yeah, uh, but yeah, the, I, I support the Warriors now. Paul Papali and Josh well, uh, Jack White and again I, I had a relationship with him just going down there every other year and um, meeting him and talking with him and Poker and those type of guys. So yeah, I have a soft spot for the Raiders, but uh, yeah, Papali's a very, very humble guy and really hard worker. He yeah. deserves everything he gets. Yeah, you're still involved in rugby league coaching at the Oakey Bears up in Toowoomba. Yeah, I was. Yeah. I'm you not were. Doing that anymore. Yeah, not I doing it now. Last couple of seasons, I actually played there. I played there yep. in A grade there um, two, two or three years ago, and then. They wanted me to go around again. I went, nah, but I'm a better coach than a bloody player at the moment. Um, I was just getting a bit older. I think I was about 40 years old at the time. So, um, yeah, I had a run. And I, uh, it's funny, I started in the forwards and just, um, you know, I did the, uh, and then uh, I, these are all young cowboys, like real fit, bloody, angry, um, hardworking uh, white fellas. And um, I'm, uh, I didn't want to get me here. I didn't want to get involved with the shit. <laughs> 
it was uh, it was a little too hard. So I said to the coach, put me out in the out in the back row on the edge, and I'll go and tie down an edge. So put me out there, and I kind of got through the season all right. And um, yeah, let me way through it. But yeah, I was, I was more bluffing my way through the season to be honest. And then um, the next year, I became the head coach there for a season. We've yeah. got we've got some uh, some questions coming through on the live feed. Yeah. Um, okay, so Michael Howell says, how hard is it? For you to see the Warriors consistently falling short of where you know they should be on the table, considering their roster. Oh yeah, mate. I, I don't think they've fallen short. To be honest, I think they're um, they've been unlucky a couple of times. Uh, I think it, this season here was a, a, a groundbreaking season for them. What they went through yep. and where they ended up, you know, they um, you know, but again, like they 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 keep doing they they keep shooting themselves in the foot to sack Steve Kearney at that time. You know, it's there's something's got to be going on behind the scenes, surely. Like, I, I just don't get it. Um, yeah, but they, they, they galvanise themselves and come back and like they always do. Um, but, mate, the NRL's a tough gig. And, yeah. and you can't just keep putting young kids in, young kids in all the time. You need to really look towards a goal and, uh, and, and recruitment. And, yeah, it's a tough gig at the moment. And especially now, the season, the competition's so close. It's unbelievably yeah. close, you know. So... Um, uh, it's frustrating that they haven't done, gone on and done more, but like West Tigers are the same, mate. They keep sitting yeah, yeah, yeah. Spot with the Warriors every year at about that ninth yeah. or tenth spot. Uh, they've yeah. got to go to the next level, and they're just short at the moment. That's just rugby league at the moment. It's, it's interesting what you said about um, when the Warriors got rid of Steve Kearney, because we, Rob and I, had this conversation at, at the exact same time when it did happen, uh, yeah. as did a lot of supporters and, and, and members. I guess we were lucky, though, that there was a guy like Todd Payton to step in because he did a fantastic job and really galvanised that tight. And I don't know if anyone else would have been able to do that this year with those boys. I just think he um, he had that no-nonsense kind of attitude about him. Yeah. Um, and Justin Morgan, again, you see him on the yeah. stuff there. And he knows the players, he knows footy, and he's done that. He did that when he retired and went to England. He did that with the, um, with the I think it was a Hull FC or Hull KR. Yeah. So... Yeah, mate. Uh, yeah, yeah. They, 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 um, they did a really good job. Um, but it was just weird timing. I don't know. I don't know what was behind it. But again, you don't go coach on the coach if there's no, no dramas going on up at the top. No. Uh, you can, you can uh, sugarcoat it or anything, anytime you like. But when your coach gets sacked like that, that's just weird. I don't know. There's something, there's something not right about that. You know, they weren't going bad either. They were just pottering around that top eight club, just outside the top eight. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I just yeah, it was just a weird decision. I just don't know. I just it's here or there for me. Obviously, you know, it, yeah, yeah. not to be the right one. I suppose in the end, they've yep. done they really come home well. But yeah, each to their own. I just don't know. I don't know how they why they come up with those. decisions. Um, Christian asked, "What did you enjoy the most about your time with the Warriors?" Oh, mate, the fans. I really enjoyed my time with the Warriors, and and you know, I um, I stopped it every time that someone wanted to have a chat, it's shopping and anything like that. So, I come from Parramatta, which is, uh, you know, you're in the big smoke down there in Sydney, out, out west, yep. where, you know, you tuck way into Auckland, where you're the only team in the whole country. Uh, and, you know, and the, and, the, and the people wanted you to see success because they hadn't had much. And uh, we were. So, you know, my time at the Warriors was um, probably the best. Uh, I, I still say it was the best time in my career. I had the best fun. Yeah. Jay asked, what was Stacey Jones like as a leader? Stacey was not much of a uh, talker, um, but yep. when he spoke, you listened. 
Yeah. He was yeah. more of an actions man uh, and expectations, really. He didn't need to speak when he was, uh, he was one of those guys. And, and the, the, probably the proof is in the pudding. When he um, was in the team, we'd win more than we'd lose. When he yeah. was in the team, and we weren't a one-team town or anything like that, uh, one-person town. But he, uh, when he was in your team, you felt confident, and especially the young Kiwi boys, they were like, yes, Stacey Jones is in the team. We're a yeah. chance. We're a chance. So yeah. He, uh, yeah. he's the best player I've ever played with, Stacey. Oh, really? Awesome. Yeah. And um, Pat Paul asked, did you have an idol growing up? You have no, yeah, I had a few. Uh, like front row was more like Steve Blocker Roach, those type of guys. Um, Glenn Lazarus was another one. I just I watched those guys. Um, my whole family supported Dragons when we were when I was a younger kid. So uh, like, you can't I, help I, bad luck. Yeah, I know. I just <laughs> pretty, uh, as, as a general rule. Um, yeah. And then yeah, those kind of guys come to mind um, when I when I think about you know who who I looked up to as a front row. I was a bigger kid, so I always wanted to play in the front row. This isn't a question, but Nicholas McKercher says, Mark, you're a fantastic guest, open, friendly, and well-spoken. I've mm -hmm. thoroughly enjoyed this interview. Yeah. Oh, as, have we, as have we. As have we. Yeah, Tooks, uh, all Warriors fans remember you so fondly, um, and we certainly hope you look back on your days at Warriors with fondness and pride in what you're able to achieve. And I personally uh, just want to say I've been really looking forward to having a chat with you tonight. And I appreciate that you've given up, you know, an hour of your time to chat to two gibberers who, you know, uh, just love talking all things Warriors. Mate, I can talk uh, all things Warriors, all things footy and all yep. things sport all, every day of my life, mate. So <laughs> I just love it. And uh, people always ask, do I get sick of talking about footy? And uh, it's been my life my whole for my yeah, how, could you, so, how could you get sick of it? I love it. I love talking yeah. about it. I love talking about the new game and how it's how the rules are going and everything like that. So I really enjoy the time and all the. I was just saying to the missus actually that all these blogs and all these uh, Zoom meetings and all that. It's all this new uh, thing that we can engage with the players. You can engage with ex players and yeah. it's, really good, it's a really good concept. And 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 again, you're keeping that dream alive for some young kids out there to you know, become young warriors, you know, in the future. So, mate, I, I like to do anything that I can to help out um, anyone that needs help uh, in sport and stuff like that. So, I'm actually, um, at the moment, I'm just working with um, young uh, disabled athletes and um, um, things like that, trying to help them achieve their dream. And, um, yeah, I caddy for a couple of blind golfers. And I was going to say, I, I watched an interview that you did on, or a, a thing that you did on YouTube the other day, and there was a a blind golfer and you kind of just line him up. But this guy was hitting the ball perfectly. Like I've, I've got yeah, two eyes and I can't that, hit the ball yeah. that good. Yeah, the guy that was in that footage was, uh, his name's Glenn and he's um, the number one golfer in Australia for totally blinds and the B1 yeah. category. Uh, and yeah, outstanding. It's it's inspirational. I caddy for about four or five of them now, but um, yeah, he uh, he's the number one. And yeah, like uh, I, I was exactly like you. I'm, I'm a bit of a golfer and I said, how yeah, the hell? Does he, he play golf blind? So yeah. I played with him, and then eventually we hit it off, and uh, and we uh, yeah went on, and he's won a, he's won a lot of titles and things like that. So yeah, now I'm a part of you know blind golf Queensland, and um, we do tours all over Australia, and they do yeah. So I'm hoping to actually do some golf tours across New Zealand eventually, and uh, whenever all this pandemic settles down a bit. Yep. 
Before we let you go, Rob, what are you wearing tonight, mate? Can you show Tooks what you got on? Oh, mate, I was that jersey, and I know exactly what one that one is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there's a bit of a uh, there's a bit of a scribble down here. So uh, oh, yeah. yeah, I don't know if you can make that out, but I was just gonna I was just gonna echo the Hammers' thoughts as well and really express our appreciation for you coming on. And it's been great to sort of meet you at all the Gold Coast functions that we've had for the Warriors. Yeah. And I was lucky enough to get you to sign the uh, the grand final jersey. So always. Always wear this with pride, and, and, and mate, you you're a fantastic um, player for the club, and you'll you'll be long remembered. You're, you're a true cult hero, and yeah. no Warriors fan will ever forget Warrior number 76, 76. Mark Tukey. So yeah, I just really want to express your appreciation for giving us your time and coming on and talking all things Warriors and footy. Uh, so, yeah. Absolutely appreciate it. And then again, if I can do anything to help you guys out, just let me know, mate. I can uh, yeah anything you need or want to. Anytime. Mate, we'd love to get you back on uh, next year uh, once the footy season starts again and get your, your thoughts after, you know, the Warriors or uh, play a couple of games and, and, you know, the footy's a couple of games into the season. Not a problem. That'd be great. Awesome. That's if they can get in those semifinals this time. Yeah, it'd be nice, yeah. wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah, they're building if they can carry on from where they left off. They, uh, they'll be all Yeah, right. and, you know, we bought well too. You know, we've got a couple of good signings coming in um, in... Murdoch Masella and uh, Fanua Blake. Yes. Uh, Adam Fanua Blake's a bloody, he's a good player. Yeah. He's one of the better front rowers in the comp this year, Adam yep. Yeah. And we've locked him in for like three years or so. So, um, yeah, it should be good for us. Yep. Awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah, again, we really appreciate time. And we'll have to get you on again sometime next year. But, but yeah, thanks again for your time. And, um, well, yeah, we'll stay in touch. Too easy, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Tooks. Thanks. You're a champion, brother. Yeah. Bye. Well, what a great chat. What, a, what, what an a awesome chat. chat. He's, um, I, I said to you uh, last night off, off camera that um, all the interviews that I've seen him do in the research I've done this week, um, he's, he speaks so well and he's so open and honest. Um, yeah, that was a joy, mate. That was an absolute joy. It, it, it was awesome. And just to get so much insight, like there's so much in that that I never knew. Um, yeah. Like is this, just, just to get like the behind the scenes perspective on, on that period. I mean, that's such a fascinating period for our club because it was yep. their initial success. And to see how he, he came in when we were probably at one of our lowest ever points in 2000, when we, we basically folded to go yep. to making the, the finals for the first time, making the grand final, and then that sort of rise. And then, unfortunately, there's the fall again that we, bit of a pattern that we've unfortunately got with the club. But, um, but that, that, was, that was unbelievable, just the, just the insight yeah. and the stories. And, and he, sells, he sells himself short too, because he was instrumental in those, those seasons that he played at the Warriors. You know, he, oh, he was, yeah. You know, he says that he didn't play a lot of, he didn't start a lot of games, but he started a lot of games for us. Um, yeah. In the 60, 65 games that he played for the Warriors, he was, and he was instrumental in the, that 2001, 2002, 2003 seasons where we had a, a fair bit of success going into semi-finals. Yeah, oh, he definitely was. He had impact, and and he he touched on it um, briefly when he's talking about that try where he stepped John Buttigieg. But um, yeah. he he did for a big man. He had he had good footwork. Yeah, he um, did. He did. Yeah, and I, I remember making a few clean breaks. Um, and yeah, he, like again, he was just a true cult hero, wasn't he? Like yes, he was. wherever he, was. he played, still is. Still he still is. is. People you know? always remember him. Yeah, a lot of players like, have come and gone, 
But yep. no, no one will forget Mark Tukey, that's for sure. No, it's, it, he hasn't played for our club for, what, 16, 17 years, yeah. and people still remember him. And he, you know, for him to, to come on, you know, our little broadcast yeah. and, and stay here for an hour and talk about all things footy with us has been, yeah, it's, it's probably, it's, a high, it's been a highlight for me. Oh, um, it's been amazing. Yeah, it's yeah. Been absolutely amazing. So thanks again, Tooks. Yeah, thanks, Tooks. Yeah. And thank you to everyone that, that's tuned in tonight to listen to the big man speak and ask some questions and what have you. Um, yeah. But we haven't finished yet. We've still got a few things to, to talk about. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we can talk about the grand final. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, it was a bit of a, bit of a game on last Sunday, wasn't there? Um, yeah, apparently so. Yeah, just for me personally, I mean, Melbourne were clearly the better side. They were, they started off strong, despite what Gus Gould might try and tell you. Um, yeah, yeah, I can hear everyone just going, oh, gee. Well, the scoreboard just wasn't being friendly. That's all yeah, it that's was. That's all it was. They, they were, yeah, you know, 16 nil, you know, it's just the scoreboard. Yeah, look, look, Melbourne were. Like, as I was saying to you last night, like, Melbourne were applying the pressure to them and Penrith were getting frustrated because Melbourne were holding them out in defence. Like, their last-ditch defence was outstanding and they and Penrith were moving the ball from side to side and they were looking likely on either side, but they just couldn't get the ball over the line and, and they were getting a bit frustrated. And I think that's where that Cleary um, pass came from. It was intercepted by Bunavalu. Um, Going back to the first try, I mean, you can debate it if you like, but the rules are that if you try and stop a try with your foot, it is a penalty try. So, yeah. as far as I'm the, concerned, the Billy Slater rule. The Billy Slater rule, exactly. Yeah. 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 I um. Yeah, I, I think Penrith were playing two sideways footy. Like, you know, I mean, who am I? I'm not a, an NRL coach, but I've always believed that you got to do the hard yards up the middle of the field to earn the right to go side to side. And Penrith relied too heavily on their their edge, which I think they've done all year and it's worked for them. But Melbourne knew what was coming, and Melbourne are a different beast in semi-final football. Yeah. And that game, that game was well and truly over by half time, and then Ryan Pappenhausen's try in the second half just sealed the the win. And Penrith made the last twenty minutes exciting, but you know, if, if yeah. all these Penrith people on social media saying how the ref ripped them off and blah blah blah, well, the ref gifted them a try that wasn't a try Absolutely. for their yeah. first try to Brian Tottle, so. Um, yeah, they should just, you know, take it as it was. They they were beaten by a better team on the day, and you know, Melbourne a far better team, far better team. Yeah. Melbourne, Melbourne yeah. were the best team for sixty minutes. It was that last twenty minutes that made it a bit interesting. The scoreboard was quite deceptive. I mean, I yeah. think I think Melbourne were easily twenty points better than Penrith. Yeah, absolutely. Um, oh, that's enough of that grand yeah. final stuff. Uh, just a couple of awards that we got to discuss. Uh, First of all, congratulations to our good friend of the show, Georgia Hale, our uh, Warriors NRLW captain on winning the Veronica White medal, um, which is basically the female version of the Ken Stevens medal, awarded for community work and no one more deserving than Georgia. Uh, she does so much community work in schools and with a disabled community in New Zealand and you know, with her role as a community uh, person with the New Zealand Warriors. Um, so congratulations to her, massive shout out. Um, RTS dominated for the Ken Stevens medal, but that was won by Connor Watson. So, congratulations to him. I guess Roger can't win everything. Uh, and just just on the Warriors, the Warriors are having their um, 
their end of season review and their Simon Mannering medal presentation on Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be aired on Sky Sport 4 in New Zealand at 8pm their time, New Zealand Standard Time. Uh, and then that telecast will lead into State of Origin 1. Um, unfortunately for us Warriors fans in Australia, there is no broadcast at this time. However, the club is working on finding a solution to share the broadcast with uh, Aussie-based fans and, and members. So anyone in New Zealand who's still watching this broadcast now or if they pick it up tomorrow, uh, just remember that that's on next Wednesday night uh, prior to Origin. Um, and apparently it's got a lot of behind-the-scenes footage of, uh, and interviews of, of the boys uh, in their COVID lockdown bubble with Terrigal this year and so forth. And then we'll lead into the, the Simon Mannering medal presentation, which is probably a, a race of two people, um, yeah. Torhu and Roger, I guess. Yeah. Be the the uh, people that we um, are in the running for that. So, yeah, but on, the, on that broadcast, uh, once we have more info, we'll share that on our page. Um, and then the final congratulations to uh, Karina Brown, Brianna Clark, Tasman Gray and Shania Power who are all selected in the Queensland State of Origin squad for the Women's State of Origin which will be held at Sunshine Coast Stadium on Friday the 13th of November Ooh, Friday, the 13th. Friday the 13th of November uh, kick off of that game is about 6.30 um, a very very optimistic Hammer has purchased his tickets for that game uh, in anticipation that the borders may be open and um, I'll get up there and take my good mate uh, Rue over there for, to the game. And if they don't allow the borders to open, well then Rue's got four tickets to go to the game and share with uh, people he may know up in Queensland that will go and support the girls. I, I will be easy to pick out in that crowd because I will be donning the Warriors jersey cheering for our four Warriors uh, girls. Yeah. Um, I've turned to the dark side. I am a New South Welshman, a proud New South Welshman, uh, but I will be supporting Queensland in that game. Slowly converting you to the light. Yeah, I'll, I'll start. Mate, you'll never convert me from the men's New South Wales team, <laughs> but, but at this point in time, I am a Queensland supporter in the women's. Uh, for, for that very reason. And just a, one more shout out, sorry, um, to Hilda Peters, Madison Bartlett, uh, Crystal Tanurua and Canyon Paul, who are still all in isolation in New Zealand at the moment, but once they come out of isolation next Tuesday, uh, straight into the Kiwi Ferns uh, camp for the test match next Friday against uh, Fetu Samoa. So um, yeah. congratulations to all our Warriors representatives, uh, being uh, picked in their various representative teams for upcoming uh, state of origin and, and international matches. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Good luck, girls, in all in all of those matches. Did you guys see the Kiwi Fern squad name for the Samoa game? I did, Christian. I I did see that. I shared that on uh, our page. And congratulations, <clears throat> Christian, on your hitting 1,000 followers on Instagram. That's, uh, well done, mate. That's a awesome. massive achievement. Um, send some of them our way, mate. We're still trying to crack 100. Um, <laughs> we're getting all the big interviews, but, you know, we just need people to start following us more on social media. Um, yeah. Uh, Origin Squad's name today. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, uh, I'll eight, just run through yeah. them. Have you got them in front of you? 
Oh, no, I don't have it in front of me, but... Uh, I do. I've got them right here, mate. Um, so the New South Wales squad, uh, Tedesco, Tupu, uh, Clint Gutherson makes his debut in the centres, Jack Whiten, Addo Carr, Luke Keary at 5'8", making his debut, Nathan Cleary, Daniel Saifiti, uh, Damian Cook, uh, Junior Paulo makes his debut in the front row, Boyd Cordner, Tyson Frizzell, Jake Trevojevic, and the bench is uh, Cody Walker, Payne Haas, Cameron Murray, and Angus Crichton. And the Queensland side is full of debutants. Uh, we have uh, AJ Brimson at fullback making his debut. Xavier Coates from the Broncos making his debut on the wing. <coughs> uh, fresh from his grand final victory, uh, Brenko Lee in the centres making his debut with Dane Gagai. Philip Sammy on the wing making his debut. Uh, Cam Munster, DCE in the halves, Christian Welch and uh, big puppy Josh Papali in the front row. Jake Friend makes his debut at hooker. Uh, Felice Cafusi, Cohen Hess and Big Tino rounding out the run on side makes his debut at lock. And then we've got Ben Hunt, Lindsay Collins making his debut off the bench, Jai Arrow and Jaden Sewer making his debut as well. Um, thoughts? Yeah, uh, from a Queensland point of view, I mean, eight debutants. We were talking about this last night. It sort of winds the clock back to 1995, doesn't it? Fatty's nobodies. It um, does. And that's well, scary. Yeah, well, yeah, you know, like, you know, never right off the Queenslanders, mate. Mm. We're, always, we're always there. Um, I, I think from the Queensland forward pack looks decent. Um, some, some good, like, informed players there, like with Papali, Christian Welch yeah. off, the, off the grand final. Um, some of the young guys in there will add a bit of impact. Uh, Big Tino and uh, Jaden Sewer and those guys um, might go all right. Um, I was a little surprised to see um, uh, Roosters hooker, whose name? Jake <laughs> Friend. Jake Friend, sorry. Um, yeah, yeah, Jake Friend get in there over over Harry Grant. Um, there was a lot of talk around that Grant might get in there, um, but I am excited to see because I think he's 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 overdue to make his uh, Origin debut. Um, Jake Friend, and I'm looking forward to see what he brings. Uh, but overall, the backs I think we're looking a little bit thin in the outside backs. Um, Brimson Brimson's exciting. Um, yeah, and. You know, Philip Sammy showed had a really good season for the Titans as well. But I'm a bit concerned about, say, Branko Lee in the centres defensively. And also, Gagai hasn't played centre. Does he, he doesn't, does he play central wing for the Rabbitohs? It just escapes me at the moment. But yeah, I think defensively, we're looking at struggling a bit in the centres. Yeah. Um, yeah. In saying that, though, those young guys could just, uh, yeah. the occasion, you know, I mean, in this day and age, you know, the, the occasion might be, uh, you know, very nonchalant, go out there, just play their game of footy and, yeah. you know, have blinders. Um, just uh, just reading a couple of comments here. Uh, Jay Harris, <laughs> love Jay Harris. He says, Freddie and the boys will get the job done. Sorry, Rue, up the blues. Um, we'll see. <laughs> Nicholas McKercher wants us to go back a step. He said, sorry to bring the grand final up again. <clears throat> But what are both of your opinions on the Penrith obstruction try? Can you please explain it to me, guys? Okay, so basically, Isaiah Yo had the ball. He was drifting across field. He ran behind, I think it was James Fisher-Harris. Mm. And once he's run behind James Fisher-Harris, it becomes an obstruction. Yeah. Uh, and he chose, after he ran behind him, to kick the ball in. And that's where Brian Tor had come up. Because 
basically what had happened was Justin Ollum had come out of the line and kind of shut down the outside men. And then, um, so basically, Isaiah Yo should have succumbed in that in a tackle yeah, he had to because he'd run behind his player, yeah. yeah. Uh, if he had to kick the ball before he ran behind James Fisher-Harris, a completely different story. But the fact that he actually ran behind him and then kicked the ball, it becomes an obstruction. And it's amazing that the bunker didn't know the rule. That's, that's, that's incredible, isn't it? Yeah. This is, yeah. How could they get that wrong in a grand yeah. final? I know. Yeah. I know. Good question, Nick. Cheers, mate. Yeah. Um, Warriors news, not much to say. The, the club's been farewelling all their players. Uh, AK finally farewelled. Um, which yeah, we were hanging on the boat, weren't we? Yeah, we were. We were. Um, <laughs> and then I, I posted up a video just uh, on our Ruin Hammer page of just thanking all the all the guys that are moving on um, after this season. Uh, unfortunately, uh, unlike what's posted on a lot of the Warriors social pages, we can't keep them all. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we've got to let some of these guys go for the for the club to be able to grow and bring through uh, players. Um, we've let nine go. We've bought four, which basically means that we've got a couple of spots still open on our roster. Um, Development players will get promoted as well. So guys yeah. like Paul Turner, Tom Alley, these guys are going to yep. be promoted to the top 30. So there's, yeah, not as many spots. Yeah, there's not as many spots as people are thinking. It's no. like, like, oh no, we just get rid of all these players. There's got to be like about 10 spots. It's like, That's right. Yeah. And we've got the uh, the train and trial deal for Jaden Nikarima. Okay. Plus, not only that, you don't want to go into the off season uh, with a 30-man roster full of 30 contracted players. And then because something, anything could happen early in the season uh, where you can pick up another player that's disgruntled or not happy or comes on the open market. Um, we've got plenty of money still in our salary cap. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I think the club's done the right thing with most of the guys that they've let go. Um, you know, Paddy Herbert would have been nice to keep. Um, but in saying that, Pompey and Perham have done a wonderful job this year yeah. playing first grade and have developed quite well and, and our futures of the club. Um, Fuss and Ken. Everyone's forgetting. About yeah, Fuss and Ken. Ken. Yeah, that's right. Um, we've got that, that young kid that they've signed, uh, whose name? Ritu, Junior Rituva. Junior Rituva, yeah, yeah, who's an outside back as well. Yeah. Um, Paul Turner, obviously still in the mix. Rocco Berry, uh, yeah. who's got massive wraps on him. Um, and then there's a couple, uh, Setu Two and guys like that are still running around in Yeah, there's a few the guys on the fingers that got, they, yeah. they got a bit of a run in the trial games, I think. Uh, yeah. Like happened to a, to a Mavavi Gerard as well. Yep. Um, there, there's a few guys around there. So, like, anyone who's just going to whinge saying, you know, how can we release all these players? They're all going to come back to haunt us. Yeah, like all those other players that came back to haunt us, you know. Yeah. Like, Everyone wants everyone wants a new team, but they don't want us to release any players. So I don't know how that works. <laughs> if if we're looking for players with proven success, well, Solomon Akata lifted a trophy this year, so maybe we can get him back. Uh, Conrad Harrell lifted a trophy in the English Super League, so maybe we can get him back. And I did notice Albert Vette running around with the Melbourne yeah. on the field on the weekend, so maybe we can get him back. And mate, Ivan Cleary got them to a grand final. So, oh, hang on. Yeah, maybe we can get him back. I know. Yeah, so quite weird. Um, uh, mate, I've got to ask you why is Roger Tuivasa Shek looking over your shoulder? Uh, 
Mate, we've, all, we've always got RTS watching, you know. He's just, uh, he's just there in the background. He's just, just unassuming. Now, this was like one of those giant heads that they had they had in uh, giving away at the Magic Round game last year at Suncorp Stadium against the Dragons. So, um, my good friend Maria Stevens um, got one of those at the game and she was flying back to New Zealand. So, she wasn't able to take that. <laughs> She'd have to buy another seat for Rog, if you know what I mean. So yep. she was kind enough to donate that to me. She left it at the foyer in a hotel in um, Brisbane. So I went in there one morning before work and I was walking through the Brisbane CBD uh, carrying a giant RTS cutout. So <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> yeah. So thanks, Maria. Cheers for that. Uh, another quick question from Jay Harris. Uh, uh, boys, uh, if we do get Cody's brother, what does that mean for Chanel? Because I remember when the Twins played NYC for Brisbane in the halves, they carved up. But when both were in first grade, they didn't get to gel due to other senior players having the key halves back then. Yeah, um, I can remember that uh, Jaden was the better player of the two. Yeah. And he's, he's more of the natural half. I think he was the halfback. And I thought Cody was playing <coughs> hooker back then. I, I, I think the game you're talking about, Jay, was that 2014 um, under-20s grand final. Yeah, against the Warriors. When uh, the Warriors won, but I think, I mean, I remember I was out there. It was a 32-degree day. I think we got out to a 32-nil lead and ended up winning 32-30 to 30 or something. Uh, Carter scored three tries, but I think Jaden Nicarima scored four or something in that grand final. Yeah. Um, I think, honestly, I think... Uh, and this is just my opinion. I think um, uh, CHT has done enough to hold his position. Um, in the, I think he's, he's developed quite well. His, his maturity is showing through. If anything, um, if if Jaden can find the form that he had when he was at the Broncos, and he had a little bit of form when he was at the Roosters as well, yeah. um, he may get the gig alongside CHT, which would mean Cody goes to the nine or fourteen. Um, and probably more more likely the nine, which would push Lawton back to the bench and Egan out of the side, or Egan stays on the bench and Lawton fills somewhere else. I don't know. Uh, early days yet, but um, well, I think... If, uh, sorry, if Steve Kearney was still the coach, you could have all three hookers on the bench. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly right. But in, in saying that, though, I think it's a great signing for us for depth mm. because we really don't have much depth in the halves. Yeah, that's it. Um, Paul Turner I think this not really year, half, is he? he he's probably no, Paul Turner's a fullback. Yeah. Paul Turner's a fullback. Um, and even in the game that he, he did play, he didn't play in the halves. They played him out in the centres or something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <coughs> I think, and I think you find this year, when we lacked in the halves, I think, didn't they move Torhu to 5'8 or... Yeah, they or did. had a hickory 5'8 yeah. once or something like that. Like, So I think Jaden will be a great acquisition. Yeah, it'd be awesome depth. And yeah, like you said, if he can recapture some of that under-20s form, then, you know, that would be awesome backup. Uh, Nicholas has asked us, thank you very much, guys. That's for the answer to his obstruction question. Um, speaking of which, I've noticed that the opinion of the bunker in relation to the number of tries this season has greatly differed from that of the commentary teams. Is the bunker up to it, guys? Mm, I don't know. Um, yeah, of course. Yeah, you would think that the guys in the adjudicating on the game would have the rule book in front of them so they can make the right decisions. But I'd like to think so. 
I've seen them miss some some blatant things. Like there was the one where they missed. Did they? Oh no, no, they didn't send it upstairs when the guy's foot went out. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that was ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Um, sorry, sorry, guys, I got COVID. Um, yeah. So, well, I've made. I've, Nick, I've, I've never been a massive fan of the bunker. Um, I was, I was talking last night. Um, or it can go back to those those great state of origin games. I remember that that try that Mark Sparkles Hammer McGaw scored in, in Origin. That that would have that would have been looked at for three and a half hours yeah. in this day and age with the bunker, and still no adjudication. So, and back then they just awarded that a try. You know, yeah, points of uh, get on with it. Yeah, I, I think the problem the refs on the field these days is they're worried too worried to make a mistake. I don't because want to come on a result. Yeah. Yeah, and and because of the backlash they cop in the in the media, and on social social media about it, but at the same time, the bunker still keeps getting things wrong when they're looking at multiple TV screens that we all can see. So, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Who knows? I don't know. Anyway, um, we've still got our prize pack. Prize uh, pack. Grab. So I'm sorry, I haven't I haven't uh, boosted that. Um, there we go, got it right here. There we go. Uh, so that was originally going to be drawn next Thursday during our uh, show where we were planning to do our end of season review uh, for both the men's and the women's. However, we're pushing that back a week um, because that's an awesome shirt. Yes. Uh, because we've locked in uh, a massive coup for next week. We've locked in Jazz Tavanga. Uh, who's going to come on the show live next week and chat to us. Um, so the season review and the drawing of the prize pack will be the following week, which means All people right. can still get out there, you share the pages. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Share the pages, share, share the social media pages. Um, so what, what is it? You've got to like, share, comment on our Instagram and Tag. Facebook pages. Yep. Yep. Tag somebody. Tag somebody. Um, so that we can grow our, our media presence, our social media presence. And uh, yeah, one lucky person will get that prize pack. But uh, yeah, next week, um, massive coup. We got Jazz Devunga coming on the show. Yeah, uh, awesome. We may, yeah, we may be earlier. We'll keep you all posted via our, our socials um, as to the timing because Jazz is back in New Zealand and two hours behind. Uh, we've just told him whatever suits him, uh, we'll work towards. Um, so we could be on, you know, a, a couple of an hour or two earlier next week, uh, mm -hmm. but I'll keep you all updated. Um, and just on the price pack, massive thanks to TK again for donating yep. that awesome price pack. TK, absolutely. I hope you're not. I hope you're not working too hard tonight, TK, watching <laughs> from work. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. We we appreciate all the support we get from you know here in Australia and over in New Zealand. Uh, it's um. It's wonderful. We've got, you know, quite a few of the players now following us on on uh, the Instagram page. We've got the entire 24-person squad of the women's uh, team following us, plus Coach Brad Donald. Um, and yeah, basically, the the our our whole objective is just to just keep bringing you guys good content uh, to watch. Um, you know, live interviews with you know players and ex-players. Uh, you know, uh, give you a bit of an insight. If we once we post up who we're having on, guys, comment on our social pages and you know any questions you want us to ask these these guests. Yeah. 
keep the conversation going. It's awesome to have yeah. real input. It's it's it makes it a real interactive experience for everyone. That's that's kind of another one of our goals as well. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so yeah, so just thank you everyone that tuned in tonight. Um, thank you once again to Mark Tukey. Uh, what a fantastic interview that was. That was a lot of fun. Uh, that, um, that was brilliant. Yeah, thanks. thanks yeah, for, it was. Yeah. Uh, uh, next week, looking forward to having a chat to Jazz. Um, yeah. So yeah, get your Jazz Tavanga related questions in. I think uh, next week's show will also be joined by Josh Gage. Josh uh, has a, a good relationship with Jazz. Um, he's just moved out to the country, so uh, we're going to get Josh on to have a chat with us next week as well. Um, yeah, uh, but aside from that, that's it for me. Uh, what do you got planned for the weekend, mate? What are you up to? Oh, mate, probably not too much. There's more. I think there's more storms forecast this weekend. We had we had a bunch of storms last week. Not that's not a reference to the grand final, by the way. Uh, but no, um, yeah, no, there's there's a few few storms brewing. I think on Saturday, but yeah, probably just uh, time with the family and and all that sort of thing. But yeah, no, looking really looking forward to next week, and I'll be uh, working on some yeah jazz. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to drive up the Central Coast this weekend, uh, visit my parents. I haven't seen them uh, for a, uh, since uh, Father's Day. Um, so now that, you know, all my footy commitments, so to speak, have finished, I'll, I'll yeah. get up there for the weekend, uh, spend some time with the oldies. <clears throat> um, yeah, and then get ready to uh, to talk to Jazz next week. I'm, I'm excited yeah. about that. It's too, you know, we've had, we've, uh, like I said, we've been very fortunate. We've had, you know... Uh, Georgia Hales come on. We've had Karina Brown, Kira Dibb, um, Maddie Bartlett, Hilda Peters, Michaela Peck, um, Brianna Clark, uh, Brad Donald, uh, now Mark Tukey, and next week we roll into Jazz Tavanga. So, you know, we're getting some people out there. Uh, Owen Guttenbill, please. All right, I'll put the feelers out. Put our feelers out there, see what we can do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Ed, comment uh, on our page. Let us know who you want us to try and... Um, Snafu, and uh, we'll see if we can get them on the show for you. Uh, but that's it for us this week, mate. Uh, it's been a long one, but a good one. Been awesome. Uh, always good chatting to you, my friend. Right back at you, mate. All right, mate. Uh, you have a good weekend. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in, and uh, we'll see you next week. Take it easy, everyone. See you guys. <laughs>